Karen has been part of the Leo Innovation Group for several years now, and she's here today to give you some insight on what they do and also what they can do for you as a Leo staff member with an idea. My name is Rebecca, and this is Work at Leo. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's good to be here. So first things first, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about how you ended up here? Sure. Uh, my name is Karen Akero. Uh, I've been an innovation advisor at Liu for 10 years now, which is it's surprising to me even <laughs> that it ended up getting up until 10 years. And let's see how, fur- how much further I go on. But uh, it's also something that's um, characteristic of the job is that it's so... Uh, different and rewarding and Mm. it sort of intrigues me still so therefore uh, spending 10 years with it it's not spending 10 years with the same task and we'll probably dive into that but uh, it there's big uh, you know variations in your everyday tasks and that's uh, that keeps it uh, interesting so that's my role and uh, i work at the collaboration unit at uh, nishaping university and universities usually in sweden have this kind of function however depending on the size of the university and also type of organization in all of this, it can vary what you do and exactly what your responsibilities are. Uh, So that means that I meet uh, researchers primarily, also PhD students, and uh, advise them on uh, what kind of impact their research could have on the surrounding society and what we could do together or with other parties uh, to make that a reality. So you're from, uh, are you originally from Sweden? I am from Sweden, uh, born and raised in uh, south of here, so uh, from the classic uh, forests of uh, Vimmerby, which is uh, Astrid Lindgren country, if you know about that author, then it's sort of, I sometimes uh, joke about being raised between Katult, where Emil <laughs> was born, and Bullebyn, so that's sort of where I'm at. Uh, and also my journey getting here was sort of perhaps in that uh, region and also where uh, in the south of Sweden, we have this responsibility of, or the, the let me rephrase that. Uh, in the south of Sweden, there's a lot of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And also because it's a necessity, you need to find ways to support yourself. And also uh, resources are scarce. So therefore, understanding what to do with what you have is sort of ingrained in that environment. So uh, being sort of brought up in that environment, that has uh, intrigued me uh, in entrepreneurship and even though I studied actually here at LIU. So that's my first encounter with this environment as a student. So uh, I studied cognitive science. Oh, wow. Which is a huge, uh, hugely underrated or not that uh, well-known subject of, uh, it's a uh, multidisciplinary education mm-hmm. that uh, also ties together multiple faculties. <laughs> so it's sort of a mix of many things, but it also brought me uh, into the area of wanting to work with design mm-hmm. and user experience. So after my studies, I did that for quite some years and worked my way from designer to strategist and then ended up with being intrigued with innovation. And that's where what landed me here <laughs> after uh, different positions at the research uh, center and as a consultant in an IT organization and working for multiple clients then in my consultant years. So... That's sort of my journey getting back to Liu. Yeah, it sounds like a really, really varied background. Yep. 
Um, we touched about a brief already, but maybe it would be um, good to explain exactly what Liu Innovation is. Yeah, and Liu Innovation is an innovation office, and that in itself is a national-wide uh, initiative that's a governmental initiative. So that means that it's nationally funded and placed in different organizations at the bigger universities, but also sometimes in collaboration with between smaller uh, smaller educational facilities that don't necessarily have the staff or uh, perhaps resources to have their own. Sometimes they're jo jointly run between smaller uh, educational facilities. And this is really a service to uh, staff. So therefore, sometimes you say that we're part of the administration, which is true, but doesn't really showcase what we actually do. Mm -hmm. uh, however, an innovation office has the task of both supporting researchers in their active research role, that mm -hmm. is to make sure that, uh, or help them uh, rather, uh, make their research relevant and also make it interesting to, for example, pursue potential impact pathways. So there can be multiple different routes from doing your research to getting it uh, implemented in different domains mm -hmm. and also getting it, for example, commercialized in some cases or having some other party pick up on what you published and uh, perhaps in integrate that in the, into their processes. Like, for example, if you work in medicine or caring science, then oftentimes uh, it's a factor of getting this in as the new practice in medicine, for example. And mm -hmm. then that route is one thing that we can support. Or rather, I should say in that sense... Not necessarily me, because that's also something we have a, a multidisciplinary team as well, which mm. means that uh, our work practices and how we do things are similar and also are tied to what's considered best practice in this domain. However, uh, the both experience and knowledge we come in with is different. So that means that uh, for me, mostly I work with things that are digital or that, for example, ties to AI, which is a field of strength that I support here at Liu, but also uh, anything connected, connecting technology and humans. That's mm. where I feel very comfortable uh, working. And that can, of course, sometimes be in medicine because it can be med tech. Uh, but then my role is not, for example, regulatory issues, which I have, uh, have very competent colleagues that can handle. But then I happily ad show you the route to getting advice from them. Yeah, it, it sounds a little bit broad as well. Would you say like the keyword entrepreneurship would fit into like what Liu Innovation works with as well? That is part of it. However, sometimes it's entrepreneurship mm. because it can also be, you know, changing organizations that are already up and running. Like I mentioned this with, for example, thinking of medical practice, then it's not necessarily a startup or starting a new organization. And also... Uh, it is entrepreneurship, but also this with developing and implementing actual uh, products, services, or other types of, for example, uh, work procedures that you've developed in your research. So entrepreneurship is part of it, but also the actual, you know, development of the idea, as we sometimes say, that's what we meet is I our ideas. But then going from that concept phase into actual implementation, and that's at first when it actually turns into innovation. So it's not an innovation when it's an idea. And that's a misconception that mm. many of us have is we, we sort of broadly speak of innovation as anything that's novel. However, 
if you talk about this from the uh, Oslo definition, which is often what you point towards, then it really is when it's implemented and used, mm. then it's an innovation. Before that, it's a concept or an idea, but it doesn't turn into an innovation before the market actually uses it or the the kind of organizations that you aim towards using it. When they start to do that, then it can be described as an innovation. And before that, it it's a potential. It has potential. Yeah, it kind mm. of like science. It's only science if you write it down and, and you share it with the world. Mm. Otherwise, it's just messing around. <laughs> and that's a famous <laughs> quote that I hear a lot from my supervisors. Yep. Um, so you mentioned that you have um, a really multidisciplinary team. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people are on the team? And Ooh, That's actually more of a difficult question than you'd, <laughs> than you'd uh, expect. Because on my closest team, mm-hmm. then we're just basically a little over a handful. Mm-hmm. However, uh, you can also say, like I said, I'm in the administration, which means that a lot of the issues that we handle also connect to other services in the administration, like, for example, library services, because here they have a lot of competence on this with uh, publications and how you, for example, look at patenting information and other things. So that can be a route that we show a researcher is like you can use the library mm-hmm. for a lot of things. Or uh, we have the legal uh, office here at the university. So we, they can look at your, for example, uh, different types of uh, research uh, deals or other types of, uh, you know, uh, legal documents. And that's also handled within the university so that's also there's a lot of services that you may or may not know about Uh, or for example professional training is also a route sometimes to spread your uh, research further and that's also a unit where you can have like uh, those dialogues so sometimes we're more of guides (laughs) to to the extended system and then also the extended team doesn't really end at Liu Mm. because we're also very close in collaboration with uh, the incubator, business incubator lead here. So lead incubator is uh, located both at Linköping and Norrköping, so close to two of our campuses. However, it's also something that uh, connects this with the early work that we do and we support you in the first phases and that's uh, important to emphasize because sometimes there's a misconception that you either go to lead or you go to us. Mm. But if you're a researcher at LEU, come to us first. And there's never a too, too early. We can talk about planned research or ideas on research. We can also support you in thinking of uh, the results you've already gained. What can you do with them? So there's not a too early or even perhaps, even if it's later, it may be still things that we can do but then we might also guide you further on at the sooner stage we might not do as much so it's it's an open door however for the incubator then that's really when you start to pursue the commercial Mm. part of of your uh, journey and also to think about not only the idea but also pursuing for example building an organization around it so that's the next step. And I do dabble a bit at the incubator as well. I have uh, now in a handful of years worked with uh, sustainable business models and supporting researchers specifically with that. And that I do both when they're at LIU and in the early days of exploring, for example, what can be the potential positive or negative impact of your idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later at the incubator, the early stages there, you might meet me when talking about sustainable business models. So I do have uh, workshops on that at the incubator. 
So it, it seems to be a mixture of like advising, but also just the network itself. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned lead, you mentioned the library or yeah. the the office, like the legal office in yeah. terms of all those things. Do you have any other partnerships that, that come to mind that you've noticed students, um, PhD students, um, end up um, benefiting a lot from? I think both uh, another fun uh, function here and specifically that our colleagues to me in the collaboration units are, of course are advisors on collaboration. So mm. there's innovation, there's collaboration and they tie together much more now than when I started. Uh, so therefore also sometimes it's worth exploring both thinking of can we do this on our own mm. or is this something we should explore with for example one of Lee's strategic partners or with some other entity in the university domain or that's completely in a different industry and we don't know anything about them how can we find them so those issues are also something that we can guide you towards or um, help you with finding the colleagues but then outside of the university and I think it's also relevant to perhaps emphasize that there's a strong network on entrepreneurship and innovation in the region as mm. such. And it also ties together to the national level. So, for example, other uh, organizations that we work together with is ALMI, uh, which is also, uh, you know, they provide support for uh, starting your business. But also for, for example, there's also... A, Uh, advisory service, but in the other part of the organization, it's also investment, we can, which can be relevant at a later stage. And then also, for example, uh, there are government agencies like Vinova, so the innovation agency that we work closely with in certain uh, products and also with, uh, for example, developing this whole network of innovation yeah. in Sweden. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely a lot of networking. I yes, and, and I think that's perhaps also something that you can find, you can feel rather lost mm. or yeah. that you sort of find have a hard time finding your route through this but that's also something to uh, perhaps emphasize that for all of us working on these type of tasks we can help you find what's your next stop mm. or what's your needs and how can you have support for them and if it's not with us then we'll show you you know the route for forward but also help you understand that you don't understand all of this at once you don't need to You need to understand the next few steps and then we'll show you the rest of the map when you're getting to yeah. the next step. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so you mentioned that you have a lot of uh, different connections. So what if I'm uh, a researcher with an idea or just even the hint of an idea mm -hmm. and I email you, for example, what can I expect as someone that, you know, is playing around with an idea or wants to do something? Usually the first step is exactly what you mentioned. It's like having an inkling of perhaps this could be useful for somebody else or for some other organization, or even sometimes it can be for researchers that in the projects they're running, they might have encountered other organizations that say, oh, this sounds intriguing, or we would like you to do this with us. And then you might not find the resources of that in the project mm. and not really know what route to go. So if you have those kind of questions, that's an excellent opportunity to contact us. So uh, get in touch. And we are, like I usually say, very, very connectable. <laughs> so it's sort of <laughs> digitally, if you want to call me, if you want to send an email or as within Lee, of course, we can send a message on Teams. It's whatever <laughs> your uh, modo, modus operandi is. But uh, it's also, you don't necessarily have to have a very clear idea on what you want answered, but rather this is what I'm thinking. Uh, what we will probably ask you for is 
to understand what's the current status status of this. Have you explored this? Mm. Have you had any encounters with potential, you know, either users, customers, uh, stakeholders that could be of interest around this idea of yours? Uh, or is it just me, myself and I, that's sort of the audience for this so far. Yeah. Um, and also, usually what we try to do is to broaden the view on this, you know, Google is your friend, so, <laughs> so look around you and not only in scientific publications, but also to see what's available already on the market and what are your, you know, the idea that you're working with. Could it be beneficial in certain ways uh, if you compare to the current options? And are there ways that perhaps you're not covering what's already out there? So these kind of benchmarks is relevant. So if you haven't looked around before you meet us, you'll probably get a homework. <laughs> so that's usually a next step. And then also to think about, for example, what is your interest in this is a good thing. So that's uh, sometimes you come to us and you go like, I would like to. But also, if you don't have that formulated when you meet us, usually that's what we're going to ask you is sort of what's your interest in this? What do you want to do with it? Mm. Uh, because that's a very different also perspective. If you look at the similar role, which is uh, available also in other European universities, uh, usually it's then called the tech transfer office. Mm. So uh, different tech transfer and innovation is, of course, we don't necessarily always handle tech, but also that it's not uh, in Sweden. The difference is that y usually the researchers own their own IP, which means that what you've developed, you are free to explore commercial opportunities with or other opportunities with implementing this in organizations without asking for permission. Whereas with a European and other international universities, usually the university owns the IP. So mm. then you'll have, have to ask them for permission to explore opportunities. So that means that in Sweden, we can't tell the researchers what to do with mm. the things that they've developed. So if you don't want to do anything, too bad. Then, I mean, we can sit and say, this is awesome. You should really explore this. But if the researcher is not interested, we can't force their will. You know, mm. that's the thing. On the other hand, there's also ways for taking different roles. And perhaps we'll get into that, that, you know, it's not only being the entrepreneur. Sometimes that's also one of these, not misconceptions, but, have, but perhaps limited views on entrepreneurship and innovation, that you are the, the innovator, you are the entrepreneur, and that's sort of the roles that are available. But mm. for researchers, I think that depending on your interests and your drive in this, you could have multiple different roles, depending on what your interests are. Sounds very, very good. Mm. Um, so you already kind of mentioned what you do and, and what a student could expect. I think it would be interesting if you have any examples of, of students that have come to you, if you can talk about it, of course. Mm. Um, I don't know, any examples of researchers that uh, came to you, success or not, you know, sometimes mm. you have an idea and you Google it and it's like, oh, someone else already did this. <laughs> Yes. Um, but I think some examples would be helpful for anyone listening to really understand. Yeah. And uh, I should uh, then again perhaps stress that it's not, um, if you're in your basic education, mm -hmm. then there's also a similar service. So yes. Student Innovation uh, by Liu, which is a student innovation service for students in base training, or you don't have to have an educational program if you you know, study open courses, that's fine as well. Mm -hmm. But then if you're a student like that and coming to us, then I'll guide you to student innovation instead. However, if you're a researcher 
no matter what level or what uh, domain, uh, that's also relevant to say that uh, your knowledge area is not, uh, you know, relevant to if you can come to us. We cover all of the university, so all of the fields of knowledge that we have at Liu, which is a challenge in itself because it's a broad <laughs> university. But yes. then, uh, I mean, coming to us, you can have an idea that's rather early, and mm-hmm. usually it evolves over time. And uh, a few years back, our role changed a bit. So back in the days or a few years back, we supported much longer into this with entrepreneurship and perhaps uh, the early days of starting a company and so on. Now we have uh, left some of that over or uh, nowadays the incubator covers some of that, whereas we work even earlier. So now uh, sometimes the first uh, contact I come with researchers is in their research group when we might have training on uh, on these things, for example, running an impact canvas workshop and thinking of what could our research as a group amount to or how could we have it more successful in successfully implemented in society. So those kind of uh, activities we never did back in the day. I'm very happy with we do, but it sort of changed my work role a bit. Mm. And then on the other hand, like you said, examples, we both have examples of the big successes. On the other hand, there's also examples, like you said, perhaps not failures, but especially if you look at students, not necessarily PhD students, but rather um, many of the younger students have ideas that are very similar to things that are already out there. Mm. The new Spotify or the new (laughs) whatever (laughs) service you prefer, you know. So it's sort of uh, perhaps just a tweak on mm. a service that we all use. So they think of a new Tesla or a nearly, you know, new service of something like that. Uh, whereas for researchers, usually their challenge is the opposite, is that it's so novel or it's so, um, you know, far ahead of what the market currently has that finding what's actually commercially available can sometimes nearly be discouraging. So one of the perhaps insights can be that what you come with as research results are way ahead of the market. Mm. They're not there yet for five, ten years, depending on what kind of market. So uh, in that case, you could deliver something much easier, much simpler. Mm. And that could be of commercial value. And that can be surprising to a researcher. So that's not necessarily, you know, a problem, but it can be something that's uh, sort of a learning path of understanding that what we do as researchers is both very advanced, but also that what we need to be doing is both simplifying, but also perhaps making sure that it's um, more both lasting. So it actually, for example, has an organization, so you can buy from this organization or use that service even you know, in three years time. Mm. <laughs> but also to think about, for example, the, the surrounding system around your idea. If you have a, a product or a service or something that you've thought of, how will you deliver that to the users? What kind of deals will they strike with you? Is, a, is it a license deal? Is it a group license? Is it for the organization? Those kind of ideas around, uh, that surrounds this, the business model and the you know, revenue streams and things like that. Many haven't thought of that. And also that needs to be explored. It's not something that we as advisors will tell you this is the good or bad path, but rather that's something that we explore together with looking around in the market, but also having contact with potential uh, customers or, you know, stakeholders of any 
role that you find relevant. So that's something perhaps it's a long story to talk about that things change over time and nearly none of the ideas that I've met during this these 10 years have become commercially successful in the form they had when they met us mm. at first. They change. And usually you say that no idea survives the first meeting with a customer. <laughs> and that doesn't mean it dies. It might be a, you know, a phoenix bird that sort of burns and then re and uh, re-evolves into something new. Yeah. So that's more that metaphor is like it will evolve and that's the natural process. So uh, perhaps examples of that is uh, I mean uh, some of the success successful uh, spin-offs from recent years is uh, one is Epishine, um, mm-hmm. which is it's a company founded on the knowledge of organic electronics here at Liu. And uh, they have explored this with supporting energy harvests. For, for example, using indoor light to run things that were previously run with these small batteries, mm-hmm. which is not a sustainable solution. So in that case, instead running them on, on indoor light, which is already you know available, is one of the implementations of their idea, which is much broader than that and has a huge ambition and mission. Mm. Uh, so that's also that they have this drive to do sustainable impact and wants to do things. But there, the journey has been both that the researchers were very committed and have also uh, gained uh, additional team members through matching activities. So they've found an external entrepreneur and now an, another CEO. Uh, and the same goes for many other startups that have sort of perhaps had a founding team of a certain set of competences and also a certain set of perhaps both domain knowledge and so on, but you usually need other competences to complement you. And you need also perhaps other experiences. So this with, you know, understanding what's a relevant, uh, you know, sales pitch or how can you engage customers or how can you perhaps communicate in an accessible way might not be your skill set. So you will have to have help finding these people and that's also something we do so you talked networking yeah it's also uh this with matching for example so perhaps that's another advice not thinking that you need to know everything but you need to know that you don't want to be doing things or that you don't want to perhaps explore that path of commercialization so go like i'm not a communications person well then we'll match you up with somebody who is yeah yeah and then uh, Perhaps also just mentioning this with, there are also student startups. And uh, back a few years, we also supported student innovations because we had both functions uh, connected. And uh, there I met um, a startup that now called Arbo Air. Mm -hmm. So they work with digital forestry. So supporting, perhaps you can talk about business intelligence in forest management. So understanding how you actually manage your forest in a sustainable way. They have also a very... Uh, you know, impact focus startup and have always been, you know, uh, committed to using their competence and drive. I must say that's very common with student startups as well. They have a lot of energy and, you know, ambition and to do, to make forestry sustainable and make sure that we both have the forests we have, but also use them in a good manner. So that's another example. And perhaps just to also bring up a third one is that now I talked about both, uh, you know, technological competence with very much, you know, research behind it. And then this student drive, which is very much tied to them 
the, the startup understanding the problems of the forest owners. So that's very much also customer focused from day one, basically. Yeah. And then we also have a, a group of researchers who here started a company called Whole, mm-hmm. which work with organizational development. So that's a startup founded by researchers from uh, psychology here. And that their insight is understanding both positive and negative uh, group and organizational dynamics. So how do people thrive or, you know, the opposite in organizations? And how can you build organizations to both be healthy and provide good results? Mm. So that's a, a company they're running and they also have then over the years and uh, matched with a, a CEO uh, from external parties. And the, uh, it's also something that's uh, a relevant you know, step for some, but they also, like I mentioned, the researchers here that have started the two of these startups that I talk about are also still in the game. They're still you know, connected to these, uh, in both these companies, but also to uh, the research. So they're still you know, on both sides, but also wanting to continue to explore research and feed that into both the organization, but also to other parties in society. So it's not either or. You can sort of, you can use a bit of both if you have, you know, the skill set and also perhaps some help. And just out of curiosity, um, would you say that are the people that approach you like mostly PhD students? Do you have older researchers as well approaching you? Well, yes. (laughs) That surprised me actually when I started because perhaps that was, you know, it's sort of a, a norm you know, a profile of thinking that younger people are more entrepreneurial, but both we do have statistics on that they're not as successful, but that are usually a successful entrepreneur is more midlife. Mm. Uh, However, that's an average, which means that they are both the very old. I I have, you know, uh, no professors that are already retired but still exploring ideas. So that has happened to me in my work, which I didn't expect when I was starting out. But yes, we have had those <laughs> dialogues as well. And also uh, with the younger, both uh, you know, students in base training, but also uh, PhD students. For the PhD students, the challenge is often that their calendar is so full and they mm, are also, of yeah. course, tied to getting their you know, PhD uh, yeah the doctorate and they really do want to explore that and are also emphasized of course since that's what, why you're here so yeah. it can be hard to handle these and of course as a PhD student you need to uh, investigate with your uh, tutor if it's okay for you to explore this in parallel so it doesn't you know eat up your time yeah. as a PhD student however also for senior researchers I mean the biggest I think challenge we have is that people have too little time yeah <laughs> so, i mean yeah yeah it, it's something that's a constant problem but it's probably one of those cases like the more you're involved with uh, innovation and and learning more things the more experience you're going to gain in it and and the mm. more successful you're you're likely to be later as well yeah so even if you are like an interested phd student and then you have an idea but then like your calendar is just too full and you never manage to do something like that you always have the chance to come back to it later yeah and that actually is a good thing to talk about as well is that the first attempt is rarely successful mm. for younger or older entrepreneurs or innovators and both roles are relevant, but it's usually the next version or the more informed version when you've sort of already 
taken a dive into that, yeah. then yeah. you realize things that makes it a much better attempt at the next, you know, next step. So yeah. that's why it's not necessarily that you need to have, you know, sometimes you talk about uh, that you need to have explore this and perhaps run a few companies into the ground, you know, mm. but that's not necessarily the thing, but rather to understand that it's not good to keep this idea just to yourself because then it will never be successful. Yeah. However, like I mentioned, the first time you try to explore this, it might be a bit uncomfortable yeah. because yeah. there will be not faults, but things to, to change and develop. Yeah, and then also like the the networking, the communication, the business mm. aspect. It also sounds like there's there's a lot to learn and 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 to be aware of before mm. you're ready to actually like make something that works. <laughs> yeah, and still, I do think it's also something that can be a surprise is that some of the skill sets that you already have and the kind of things you do. For example, usually researchers, no matter what level they're at, are trained in hypothesis testing which is basically what you do when you explore an idea. Mm. So there you already have <laughs> a good you know, foundation in both setting up hypothesis around a concept or a field of research. And also, on the other hand, as a researcher, you want to s- see if they are actually valid. Whereas yeah. as an entrepreneur, sometimes you hope for them to be valid. And then you might not be looking for the negative answers. Mm. So as a researcher, you're trained to be open to that this might be wrong Uh, and that's a good (laughs) that's a really good training for being an entrepreneur however what you might find different is like what parties you're supposed to be in dialogue with and also how you do that but then there's uh, you know support to be had and we do have those kind of trainings for example in the incubator they help you with how you conduct a customer call if you want to be the entrepreneur and also how you understand the insights that you're getting and feed that into your business development so those kind of things, it's not, you don't need to go on your own. There's support to be had. Okay. Mm. Uh, so now just to finish um, quickly, what would you say is like your main tip to anyone that's, you know, thinking of getting involved in innovation or, you know, maybe they're just starting a PhD and they don't really even know what they, if they want to get involved in this or not? Uh, I think it's both thinking doesn't really amount to anything in this field. Mm. I mean, in that case, it's doing. And therefore, taking that first step of both, you know, daring to or wanting to explore what could be done, Mm. do it, you know. On the other hand, it's also sometimes framed as huge risk taking this with entrepreneurship. And in the beginning, there's no risk. Mm. I mean, in the early days, it's exploring things, you know, finding information. That's no risky. There, there's no exposing yourself as being, I think I'm all, you know, all of that. And I, I'm so <laughs> cool and want to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to really, really step out into that, but rather think of this is another information exploration task and yeah. you know how to do that. So it's just with another focus. So in that case, thinking of the early days are very supported and therefore there's very little risk. Mm. The only risk you run is of course, the disappointment of realizing that this is already available. Then again, that can also spawn a new insight in, okay, so this was already covered, however, and Mm. then in dialogue with potential partners or customers, you might find a new idea that's a bit, you know, to the left of what you found, (laughs) or, you know, uh, it's a bit more complex than what you thought or easier. I think that's a a really, really good note to, to end this on. 
Uh, thank you so much for all your insights. Um, and yeah, I hope that anyone listening at home learned a thing or two about Leo Innovation. Mm. And hopefully if you do think that you have something that could be relevant, uh, catch us up. <laughs> Send an email. Send an email. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You've listened to Work at Leo with me, Rebecca, and this episode's guest, Karin. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes and check out Linköping University's vacancies page if you're interested in applying for a position here.